0: It's really tempting to treat one's creativity like a machine, and the reality is that we're just not like that.
1: This is The Labyrinth and the Thread, conversations about creativity and mental health for, by, and with people who love to create things and have experience navigating mental health. I'm Amelia Aldred, and I'm glad you're listening. Today, I'm being joined by Joy Michael Ellison. Joy Michael Ellison is a writer, a teacher, and scholar, and a grassroots community activist. They write a biweekly opinion column called Rainbow Rant for Columbus Alive, and a public history blog called If We Knew Trans History. Their debut picture book, Sylvia and Marcia Start a Revolution, was just published by Jessica Kingsley Press. Joy, thank you so much for joining me
0: today. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, just to start off, I always like to ask people first what they like creating.
0: I love to write. Um I used to when people ask me ask me what I like to write, just say I just like to write a lot, but I'm very much someone who writes in a lot of genres. I write short stories, um I write picture books. Um I write a bi-weekly column as you mentioned. Um and I also um quite accidentally started um writing poetry because I became involved in the Columbus, Ohio writer's block poetry open mic night. Very which, cool. yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um so I keep myself busy with a whole lot of different writing.
1: Do you find in terms of writing in a lot of different genres and forms that there's some common threads of what you like about writing?
0: That's a really good question. Um, I think that I really I really like the act of writing, to be honest. Um, I find especially like long form projects just to be really, really steadying. I like knowing that um, I can wake up in the morning, I can do something that I like to do, and I know what I'm working on. But the other thing that I find really enjoyable has been something pretty new for me, where I've been finding ways that writing is an avenue for connecting with other people, um, which lo and behold is actually a human impulse that I too share, on me. <laughs> even though it's, it's not something that comes particularly naturally to me, but it's been a real pleasure to write this column for Columbus Alive and um, And share that online and actually realize that people I know read it. Um, And it's been particularly um, a lot of fun to be a part of slam poetry scenes, um, particularly in Columbus, but also um, in Chicago, um, where, you know, you actually get to be in the same room as people. um, And connect with them. And as somebody with a lot of social anxiety, it's been really good. It's been really nice for me. It's been really good.
1: Is, is there anything about writing in particular that you find intersects with your mental health? Um, we've touched on it a bit with, with social anxiety, but whether it's the mediums that you pick or it's um, the way that it just interacts with it.
0: Sure. I mean, there are two things that come up for me. Um, One is that I think it's worth being honest that writing is sometimes not great for my mental health Uh, because it it is an activity that requires a really high degree of confidence over a really long period of time. And it is just absolutely inevitable that that confidence will falter and should falter. (laughs) If it it doesn't falter, you don't edit. So I am certainly capable of using writing to put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself. But it really also is something that has been really helpful for me in terms of my mental health. Um one of one of the first ways that I started writing was actually I was I was working periodically um in Palestine um and I started writing essays because just I would see hard things happen to people that I loved and that I knew and who who to be clear wanted me to write about what was happening that was a a, a stated ask because of their political strategy um, and I found I found it really helpful for my own mental health to feel like these experiences didn't just happen but they um, had a reason so I really I really started there and then engaged and then, kind of grew grew from that point, and was doing things like NanoRimo, um, which is this kind of the ultimate process oriented writing adventure. I found that NaNoWriMo was really really helpful in having an experience where I actually shut off the part of my brain that demands perfection. You know, I, like a lot of people, really am capable of putting myself through a lot of pain in order to achieve an unachievable standard. What I found after that was that I, I didn't know how to do that outside of the boundaries of this stunt um, of writing a very bad novel in thirty days. So, like a lot of people, I put myself through the artist's way. She's on to something there. There's a reason why that is popular. She talks a lot about being able to rest on the page. and if you if you really do what she recommends of like writing three pages kind of nonstop every day. Eventually, it it really is possible to train that part of your psyche that tells you how much you suck to shut up temporarily. And I remember I remember being at home with my family over the holidays and just reverting into this teenage cockroach version. Of myself, it's like this this metamorphosis Kafka esque holiday hell that we all know so well, and um, and just pulling out a notebook and just writing because I'm like, oh wow, this is a place where I know I actually allow myself to be safe. Like, writing has been really good for my mental health. It's been not without its drawbacks, um, but overall, it's done me a lot of good.
1: If you're not familiar with The Artist's Way, it's a book and program by Julia Cameron that's meant to help artists who are creatively blocked... One of the foundational tools of the program is Morning Pages, which is handwriting three pages stream of consciousness first thing in the morning. People use Morning Pages as a meditation or self-reflection or a way of clearing out and setting aside everyday concerns in order to make space for new ideas. Julia Cameron says that Morning Pages can also be a tool for recognizing patterns in our thoughts and behaviors because we see our unfiltered selves on the page. I did morning pages for several years, and for a while they felt useful and good, until they didn't. I found that I felt more sad, more tired, more frustrated, and more creatively blocked after doing my pages, so I stopped. Then, about three years later, I began to do them again, not every day, but most days. Looking back... I realized that morning pages stopped feeling good when they stopped being about self-reflection and instead became a vehicle for rumination. Ruminating thoughts are persistent and repetitive thoughts that play on a loop and are often a feature of depression and other mental health issues. Unlike reflection, rumination doesn't propel you forward, it keeps you in one place. The change in how I felt after morning pages was one of several signals that something was very, very wrong. I ended up seeking treatment for depression, and at one point during the process, I started doing morning pages again, and they felt useful. I've done them off and on ever since. I share this story because I think it's a good example of how creativity and mental health intersect, and that the tools we use in our creative practice can serve several functions. In this case, when morning pages seemed to stop working, they were actually still serving as a tool to help me creatively unblock, in this case, by signaling that there was something in my life I needed to attend to, and letting me know when the help I was getting was actually helpful. I told Joy that the lesson I've taken from the artist's way is that no system of creative practice will work exactly the same way all the time, but the breakdown of the system is, in and of itself, an important part of your toolkit.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think I think you bring up something really important, and that's just that almost every creative process is a temporary process. I, I'm sure there are people out there that do the same thing every day. And write beautiful novels. And, you know, we can despise them a little bit. Um.
1: Yes, we can despise them a little bit. And also, I want them on this podcast so they can tell us all their secrets.
0: Yes, yes. But I, for me, I think that a lot of like, yeah, I don't do morning pages every morning. Um, And I'm finally really willing to let myself do things for a while and then stop. It's really tempting to treat one's creativity like a machine and just figure that if you like run 3 miles a day and you do your morning pages and that you will be always be able to write the things that you want to write. And the reality is that we're just not like that. Everyone needs rest. Everyone needs to try things and suck at them. And there's no, there's no magical thing that will allow me to feel good all the time. I mean, if look, I'm still open to being offered the magical thing that will make me feel good all the time. So I'm I'm accepting proposals, but I am definitely skeptical at this point.
1: Yeah, I I too am accepting proposals. And I promise if I hear it, you'll be like the first one that I call (laughs) and tell you about the magical thing that will make everything better for all time for everyone. One of the ways human beings are different than machines is that we require community. Joy uses the term creative compatriots, which I love and am now going to use forever and ever. We ended up talking a lot about looking for, finding, and being a creative compatriot. Has there been anything that stands out to you as a particularly good advice that has come up, um, in writing and writing practice and in creative work?
0: That's a good question. Um, I think the most important part of any process is feedback because we simply like the, the problem at least with writing is that there's what seems to be an almost, unavoidable gap between what is actually on the page and what is in your brain and um, what people are capable of taking away from what you said um, and what you think you said. I have really found, going back to this idea of community, I've really found that feedback can be something that is also fun um like I I never set out to write a single poem like I wrote a poem accidentally because it wasn't a good science fiction story and then went to this open mic because I was lonely <laughs> um, and and read a poem and discovered it was a good poem and I would have never imagined that that was something that I was good at or that I was interested in. And I think that feedback actually can be like that. Um, And I really want more of that in creative communities, which is really just to say I want more creative communities. Um, There's kind of this model of these incredibly depressing Workshops, um, critique groups. And I don't know, I don't know if we just, something happens when it's a critique group where suddenly no one is actually giving anyone honest feedback. We're not saying what really sucks about your writing, but we're also all reading it to find out what really sucks about your writing and then not tell you about it. Um, and I found it very frustrating. and I think it's especially frustrating for anyone who is a part of an oppressed or simply poorly understood community. Um, like these I I know I've said this to you many times where I'm like, I'm not sure if my critique group is transphobic. Or if there's something wrong with my story. Um, And I'm sort of wondering if if there's just something wrong with critique groups. And if we could find a better model of feedback. Because in my experience, feedback is critical. And there's a way for feedback to be fun Um, and for us to be like creative compatriots instead of critics. This is a, this is not a fully formed idea, uh, but it is one that I am considering. I
1: think it's a really good idea to consider. And I, I am very much of the belief that the more kinds of creative communities we can have there and the more, you know, we have out there, that that's generally a good thing because, you know, not every model is going to work for everyone. And as you said, we can get these very kind of fossilized models of what it means to be a creative community. You know, as you very, very rightly point out, the more homogenous writing groups are and the more inaccessible they are and the more models that we get that really serve one group of people Is that group really capable of giving good critique that is not being fettered by their prejudices and their biases? And is that good feedback? Is that useful at that point? One of the things that I came across when I was talking to a lot of different community writing groups um, on behalf of a writing organization, like, well, what what would you like for for public programming? And the number one thing was we want more writing instructors and writing groups for folks that have similar lived experiences. Mm -hmm. That's what we want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because this is an incredibly vulnerable act, creativity.
1: So I always like to ask folks before close if there's any works or whether it's their own or others that they would like to recommend or promote to listeners.
0: Well, first, let me say thank you so much um, for having me and for being a wonderful person um, that I feel happy to be not only a creative compatriot with but but just your friend um thank you (laughs) i like you too
1: and i love your writing
0: same on both counts um and this is a great conversation for me too um i do have things to promote the the thing that I most hope that people will pay attention to right now um, is my debut picture book, um, Sylvia and Marcia Start a Revolution, um, which is really the product of a whole community effort, um, but um, is a picture book about Sylvia Rivera and Marcia P. Johnson um, and the Stonewall Riots. It is available. Um, Wherever you can buy a book, please buy a book from an independent bookseller. And then I would also ask people to pay attention to my column, Rainbow Rat at Columbus Alive. You know, Columbus Alive is this little newspaper out of Columbus, Ohio. You know, I think that local news is incredibly important and that we really need people who are writing about the communities we live in. Um, there are a lot of people besides me who, um, write for Columbus Alive that are amazing. Um, one of them is Scott Woods, um, who is, um, The other opinion columnist um, and without whom I simply would not write poems um, because he also is the convener of the Columbus um, Writers Block Poetry Night um, and the creator of Streetlight Guild, which is a really tremendous creative institution in columbus that is um committed to serving the needs of um black creative um in specific or especially um and black communities generally but it's also just a treasure unsurprisingly for the entire city um so yeah shout out to scat um And I will say that Writer's Block is currently online for the pandemic, Um, so um, you can come and check out some weirdos who read some poems while giving each other a lot of shit.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support us, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash labthreadpodcast. If you're not in a position to financially support us, you can help out by spreading the word and following us on social media. Stories, concerns, and manifestos can all be emailed to labthreadpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Remember to take care of yourselves and each other. And until next time, from Chicago, Illinois, This is The Labyrinth and the Thread.